Welcome to the Draw.Biz Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Draft Doctors. I'm your host, Stevie Fears. Ghislaine's trial is underway. Whew. And uh, I've never been online so much. Uh, but of course today we're talking burn men. The players we think who are going to absolutely wreck their draft value in 2022. And to do that, of course, we've got Cam. How you doing, buddy? Hey, yeah, doing doing really well. Uh, I, I think there was one thing that I read through the week with the... Gil- is it Jelaine or Gislaine? We say Gislaine because it's um, funny. Ruder. Yeah. Ruder. Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw Torpedo Sex Toy as a headline from that trial and didn't feel very good. Did you get arrested being in Queensland shortly after that? What? Uh, it seems like the sort of thing they'd arrest you for. It's It's the sort of thing that a lot of people would have. Is it? Yeah, it's I don't know. Much, I don't know enough about this this it's sex raunchy. business you're talking it's, about. It's my old nickname. <laughs> you live in a fucking sex cave, is me? What I see. Yeah. Well, it's because there's no sex being had. Anyway, speaking of, yeah, the torpedo sex toy himself, Stato. <laughs> that is the best intro I think I've ever fucking heard. What Thanks, know. buddy. That is my old nickname. Um, I, I will say uh, I copped a little bit last week. Uh, apparently me talking about my sweaty ball. So uh, I've prepared well. The air conditioner is on and I had a nice cold shower before we started. So there's no sweat around my ball area today. Nothing like a dry gooch. Uh, so, yeah, of course, we're talking burn men today because fucking Warney still hasn't released dun, dun, the position. Breaking news with Warney. Here he is. Hey, so- Gentlemen, how are you? Bloody, I'm actually, this joke has gone for a way too fucking yeah. long. So, <laughs> so hey, I bloody went to Champion Data and knocked on their door and said, just give us these positions because, fuck me, the Draft Doctors podcast, my Wednesday morning walk or gym or whatever, I hear my fucking, my ears burn and I just go, blokes, get it out so we can actually start talking some real fantasy footy. It's actually interesting, and uh, you know, thanks for thanks for joining in, uh, listeners. There you go. What a what a reveal! Look at the look at the surprises we have for you. <laughs> but um, they seem to be coming out every year earlier. Well, they did pretty well, actually. I was actually a little bit surprised by this because someone, I think, the uh, the Sunday after the draft was going, where are the positions they should be in now? Like, the draft freaking finished on Friday at like four o'clock or something with the um, rookie draft or whatever. But, yeah, they've done well because I think um, the plan after last year, they went pretty uh, – went very early opening the game and I think the plan is still for a, a pre-Christmas launch, so um, whatever that means, so um, which will be nice because it's always nice to ignore your family on Christmas Day and just play with your fantasy <laughs> team. So um, at least I've got an excuse for that. I can call it work now as well because uh, with fantasy footy, it does not sleep. But, um, yeah, so they've – done it pretty quickly like I think they might have had a little bit of pressure in to champion data going yeah can you just pump them through as quick as you can or whatever and we're able to get it done because I think that must have been Thursday afternoon I got that and had to quickly whip up a bit of an article bit of a piece and yeah got 
got some info out there. And I think uh, judging by people jumping on board, it's awesome to see how many people are super keen to yeah. get their positions into them. And a lot of that are the draft coach, and especially our Keeper League uh, coaches, because they want to see what's going on and what your list could look like. Yeah, and there's, and there's nothing more fun than immediately seeing the list and then just bitching about <laughs> how players either did or didn't get uh, the p- position you wanted. So we're going to talk some positions today. Uh, no bandman content, but Warney, uh, as we've been doing with our special guests over the off season, we've been doing these po- uh, interview minis. Uh, so we'll start it off. What are you planning to call your team name? next season uh, the warn dogs they'll uh, have to be i think it's probably must be pushing around about 15 oh, 16 or 17 years because this is this is our 16th year of being dt talk coming up so that's like an amazing thing to think about that's a, a lot longer than any uh, relationship i've ever had or anything like that so um <laughs> we um yeah so yeah i have to be the warn dogs because the only other team name i actually had was Bob's Bombers, because my nickname back in the day was Bob, because that's my dad's name, and that's what happens when you live in a small town and you play footy and cricket, and you just get called Bob. Oh, you get called your old man's name, um, and so yeah, that's what it was. Probably in about two thousand and one or two or whatever year it all started, and uh, then it eventually became the Warn Dogs because Warney is uh, my nickname. So you don't have any secondary team name at all. Well, no, and I wish I was really smart and witty as well. Like I wish I could be. Oh, here's a little scoop for you. Actually, the um, in draft you had to just have your team name, what your team name is. But in AFL fantasy, you're able to change your team name across the across your different leagues this year as well. So that's a bit of a win for a lot of people. I think a lot of people did um, ask for that because um, year one of AFL fantasy doing the keeper stuff and all that sort of thing. Like there's a few little, uh, a lot of bugs to iron out, but that was, um, that was a nice little addition that we'll be able to get this year because I know a lot of coaches want to call their, um, teams different names across different leagues. Well, I think that's one of the best things about the AFL fantasy platform is they're continually evolving and improving the product. Whereas a look at Supercoach and next year we'll get, you know, an article about Rita Panahi's secret weapon in the forward line and ultimate <laughs> pretty well. We, we might not know if they exist uh, until, you know, the day before the bounce. So is there more in store this year or yeah, there's a fair bit of getting last year right? Uh, getting last year right, but a fair few more things. Like obviously the keeper league, I think it was pretty much a button to say, yes, I want to make a keeper league. There was sort of no settings around that. So obviously that'll come in over this preseason. So you can go and make your, um, you know, have your X number of players that you keep, all that sort of thing. And quite a bit of stuff, um, along with that. Obviously they, um, you know, it's stuff that maybe could have been there but didn't need to be there at the start so um you know even just trading your draft picks and things like that i think all those sorts of things and a lot of access for commissions commissioners to do their thing so um yeah it'll keep evolving which is obviously what we want it to and um to become a great product because well ultimate footy has been a fantastic product over the time but um i think most people that play that know that not a lot of time has been put into that in recent years so Hopefully AFL Fantasy can keep getting better and maybe overtake where Ultimate Footy is. Absolutely. Uh, One of the things about, like, you guys obviously the biggest fantasy uh, content provider out there. How do you balance uh, your content in terms of what you're putting out for the beginner player versus the expert player? 
Uh, well, that's something I think we really need to get a bit better at because I think we've found some sort of middle ground, which then we cop it from the hardcores, which obviously will be listening to us when we we're actually starting up this week, getting all our content back in, back happening, and and sometimes oh, they're a bit you know wiggle light version of uh, fantasy content, but um, but then I think sometimes we do um, probably assume a bit too much knowledge for the beginners, so I think we need to find we have a balance, I think, with what it's about, but it's got to be that right content for the right sort of audience at times, so it is tricky, and especially too, obviously we play against um, the off-brand um, stuff as well and that's all in there, so it's you know, it's, yeah. it's that sort of challenge of trying to appease most people with what we do, and I think that is a that is a tricky thing because you've obviously got huge numbers that play the classic version of the game, and um, but draft is growing, and seeing the numbers for that, that just keeps going up a fair bit each year, and and the AFL know that as well with their work that they're doing around it, like knowing that they need to invest better in that because that's what we could that's what we do, and it's probably more that that side of it. I think one of our like I guess one of our things that we um, are important about is keeping people engaged for the season. Like I think a lot of um, things with content, like it's all about, oh yeah, we've got the registration, that's all it counts. We've got their email address to go and send heaps of spam and promotional content too. Whereas I think what we are good at, and, and I wouldn't have a clue or we wouldn't be able to have access to the numbers of that, but I would say that our engagement would be higher than Supercoach, I reckon, because of um, just the way the game's set up. And I think with content that we provide as well, I think we're, we're very accessible with what we do, I think, um, across a, a bigger group of people. And compared to what they are, I'm not sort of shitting on the work that they do there or anything like that, but I feel like I'm proud of what we do in that side to um, be accessible and keep people engaged for the whole season. And that's um, that's a nice thing, even, you know, as simple as for the off-brand game, the two trades per week, I think... Um, a lot of people don't like that or poo-pooed that they're the hard ca- hardcore coaches, but those sorts of things are just keeping people engaged and that's what the game's about. You you want that little side side thing while you're enjoying your footy season and I think that's what fantasy footy has always been and we've got to make sure we keep it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I like the added wrinkles uh, in, the, in the AFL Fantasy Classic game. I'm not very good at it myself, but do you have a favourite form of fantasy? Uh, well, it's tough. I love draft as much as anything because I think what fantasy is all about is actually playing with your mates. So that's for me, and that's why draft is the best version of that because you you set up your your well, you can spend that off season getting your um getting your lists and your rankings, which you think are going to be right, but there's going to be so far off when you um review it a week into the season, let alone at the end of the season. So, um, but you have that engagement with that. It's your own sort of thing. And then draft day is obviously a bloody great part of it. And then it's something that doesn't need a heap of, um, like a heap of work done to it week to week. Like you can sit on your shitter and go and have a look across your team, yep. make sure your lineup's set. You don't have to spend hours and hours agonising over stupid trades or whatever, that sort of stuff, like in the classic game. But in saying that too, classic is probably the thing that um, is the most engaging type of thing because of the work that we do is one part. And I guess the ego thing about rankings, I think that's a massive part of it yep. because you you are competing against all these other people and and everyone whether you like it or not you sort of judge yourself against others on on where you rank and and you know you 
you get all up and about if you move up the rankings, but then you go, oh, it's a stupid fucking game. We don't even care about it anyway when you slide down. So, but it is, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's fun. But that's the thing about draft too. Like you, the banter that you have with your mates, that's what it's all about. So having, having your group chat, having your whatever you do and your catch ups and, and you sit there and, and it's also an excuse like to catch up with your mates too as we get older men like we are now. Like you, you know, I have <laughs> mates in Queensland that are in our league. Like it's my excuse that week that I'm playing one of those guys I'll get on the phone to him or whatever and you know we just shoot the breeze and and it gives us a, a reason to talk yeah yeah no definitely the band is the um the one uh with the death of Peter Cundall oh yeah sad news uh, on Sunday you're probably the most famous Tasmanian there is now um just the exist. <laughs> oh, now this is very interesting. Actually, I I grew up in the northeast of Tasmania, and we go. Um, I take my. Oh, actually, this is another funny story. My little four year old came home from daycare with a um, like Father's Day thing of saying stuff like, um, "What uh, what color is my dad's eyes or whatever blue." My dad has no hair and all this sort of stuff. But um, but it said, what does your dad like to do? And it was go to the museum. So I get dragged along to the museum a fair bit there. So I look nice and cultured with all these things. I was thinking pub, footy or something like that would be the answer. But <laughs> no, go there. And they've got a pretty cool um, thylacine display at the uh, Launceston Museum. So we go in there and... A lot of the sightings have been from the northeast of Tasmania and we sort of look at the little map there and that's um very close. And uh, for old school fans of DT Talk, and my mate Chopper, he had his 40th birthday earlier this year and we went, um, well, he went mountain bike riding. I just went to the pub and drank beer with Calvin. But um, that's what we did because we don't get into uh, any exercise is probably one thing, but the other side is mountain bike and bloody... I don't know, nut jobs. It's the sort of thing Cam would be into, I reckon. But um, <laughs> but we were there and went to this pub and it was literally, it was a freaking, it was a dive. It was so bad. But she was convinced she saw one. And like this was that this year and it was amazing. And it made the newspaper and all that sort of stuff. But you could see she smoked a fair bit of dope, I reckon. And she uh, was, her brain was pretty fried. But fuck, it was an interesting conversation. And I'd like to believe that they are there. But yeah, I... Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, there's one out there somewhere. There's a family of them just hunting around, just trying to uh, hide between some uh, ferns somewhere, ready to come out and uh, breed and be, and take over Tasmania. Good, because if it was a no, this podcast ended. <laughs> there was news around the league this week. Brad Shepard set to retire. Hasn't told his teammates yet, but that's happening. The AFL season is starting on a Wednesday, March 16th. So it's a bullshit five-day week to open the season. <laughs> and Bucks Misso stares directly into the sun. Yeah. She claims it will make her live for 120 years. This is great content. She didn't say where the sun come out of. It's a bleached anus kind of job. Is that what Could you Could be. <laughs> the biggest son of all, Stuart Jew, I reckon. <laughs> Oh, oh, God. Anyway, there were some players to lose positions uh, and gain positions. Uh, when we're talking positions, we mean they add non-midfield or ruck status. Tim Tirano, Steve Canelio, Mitch Duncan, Adam and Didn't Josh Dunkley have it last year? But he's had it. Anyway, yeah, these did. are some of the big names at the top of the tree who have uh, gotten defender or forward position. And some to lose. Zorko, the pride of Portland, 
Shattering. I don't know how he lost it. That's shattering. Uh, Rory Laird, Callum, Callum Mills, Dangerfield, and others that we'll talk about. Is, what, what does it do to these guys um, that have lost it? Like, I, I, Danger is just, my God. He's off the list. Tato, what do you think? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's absolutely off the list. I mean, he was he was a problem when he was a forward, to be honest. We're, we've all been burnt by danger, no matter what format we've been playing. But that just puts a line directly through him. Uh, I think the pride is fine, and I think it's probably a good summary. Um, no doubt champion data, because let's face it, Paddy Ryder didn't play a lot this year. Uh, so when the pride played, he was predominantly a ruckman. Uh, Laird and Mills will be fine. They'll be at the, the top end. So they'll be an M1 um, um, so comfortably in those positions. If you've got a really good midfield, they might slot into your M2. Uh, but they'll be fine. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of the others later. But um, I, I'm really interested in Taranto because... When he is a midfielder, he is just a star. When he's not, it's not so great. So if he's got forward status and his role is not so great, then I'm thinking people are taking him in the first two rounds. And to me, potentially, that could be way too early. What's your thoughts, Ken? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's a pretty stark differential between when he plays forward versus when he plays um, in the guts, you can go anywhere from you know 125 point mid to a 70 to 85 forward. Which you know, if you're taking that in round one or two, which you're right, I, th- I actually think you'll be a first round draft in a lot of leagues um, next year. It, you know, potential burn man, potential. But I mean, also um, if you got him in a keeper league, you'd be rubbing your hands. It, it's a great issue to have. Uh, potentially having a few bad weeks uh, as a forward, but then one or two injuries and whammo, he's the, the number one forward in the land. That's that's the potential Taranto's got. I mean, yeah. Cogs is a, it's another issue. It, interesting to see if you even consider him um, in the, the classic model, uh, Warney, and where would you actually place him as a forward in your draft? Yeah, he's going to be one of the really interesting... Anyone from GWS is always interesting, regardless of position, I think, that they've got in the the fantasy game because of what they do. It's a little bit like uh, Bulldogs and Giants are the two teams that you you never know what you're going to get, and they're the ones that I almost like to just avoid around what their uh, what their average is at um, when they come up in your in your draft game because you're not sure of what they're going to do. So it uh, depends on pricing points of those guys. Like it's obviously that's, it's a completely, um, it's a different kettle of fish for that because you, you know, you can have them for a few weeks and things like that. Whereas obviously draft is there for the season. But I think like Cornelio, yeah, I feel like he's a burn man, like because of his body is one thing as well. That's another side of it, let alone um, that role. And he does suck a little bit. Like, I guess that's the, that's a tough thing to, as an owner of Cornelio in different uh, seasons, you just get frustrated by watching it. Whereas Taranto though, I, I've got plenty of faith in him anyway. I think I just think he's, his best position is being in the midfield. I think they'll just play him there and Cornelio's more likely to be that guy that they would play off a half forward or have to spend his time being a forward. At this point, when we talk about this stuff in early December, that's where my brain's sitting at. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of these guys, the reason they've got forward status is because there's that there was reasonable doubt around them last year. Like I look at Trelaw, he's missing games everywhere. We know the upside. Duncan missed a lot of games last year. Um, Cornelio, you've already mentioned he he's starting to become a serial offender. Um, I think they're all potential burn men, but they could all potentially lead the position. Like yeah. that's their their upside, no doubt. So. Yeah, all of it's those be guys. Pick your poison. Yeah, all those guys, especially too. Like when I was looking at sort of the stats and stuff, or not really the stats, more just the positions um, as they came in. Like how many of our best forwards by average last year lost it? So these guys are going to be in that mix of those top ones because it was the top uh, six who were on average last year aren't available as a forward this year. Like that we're in our forward line. So mm. your number one ranked one there is Dunkley, who we all know can be a super 100-plus guy for the season. Um, but then you've got Sidebottom was the high, was the next ranked player on average, and like you, he's going down the list. He's not uh, – mm. like he's not an F1, realistically, in my no. thoughts. Um, and then you've got Wingard, who's in that same boat. The next one then was your Toby Green, Jaden Stevenson guys. So that's – if these guys didn't gain that Ford status, like it's a pretty ugly looking F1 list. Like your, your top 10 yeah. is looking pretty, um, pretty bad where it would be nearly that. Yeah. Do you just wait on your Fords massively? But these guys obviously add to it. Like I think Duncan, I, I feel like Duncan, Taranto, Cornelio, Trelaw and Dunkley already had it. They should all be a hundred or over. Like that's where I feel like those guys are, but they're all, I've got faith in all of those guys being um, an F1 and you'd take them if they're there. Cornelio is probably the one that I would um, have at the bottom end of that list, if that makes sense. I think like going into next year, we're probably a little bit better off from a forward perspective than going into last year. Like last year, I remember like Isaac Heaney was in the top five rankings. You know, you had, it, it was thin, but the, the, the ceiling on those top end forwards were pretty low mm. as well. So it was like Toby Green as well. At least now we've got, you know, Taranto could be 110, Trelaw could be 90 plus, Dunkley could be 110, could be 90, could be 70. Um, but there's still enough ceiling there, I think, that makes it interesting. Yeah, and, and look, we know players will come out of nowhere. Uh, anyway, listeners, we are going to talk... Before we we did the uh, before the positions came out, we were all doing our research like we always do. Look, this is the tightest fantasy podcast in the off season for a reason. There's no <laughs> time wasted, um, so we were all very interested in players. So these are the players who we were more interested in prior to the positions coming out. Maybe they've waned in our interest is waning. Fair to say, Cam, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, just listening to the pod last week, boys, and Stato had um, Josh Dacos as a sleeper, and I agreed with the take. I thought that there's a really good possibility that he gets more, you know, mid-time, more time around the ball, um, given, you know, aging Pendlebury, aging side bottom, you know, probably playing sidey a bit more forward. And then I kind of reflected on last year, and it's he kind of did that anyway in periods of, of the year so his time on ground by the way was uh pretty strong so he had 79 percent time on ground from a cba perspective he averaged about 25 percent every game and that was boosted when the likes of taylor adams 
um, missed through injury. So his CBAs went up to about 50% through that period. And it also led to his strongest scores across the year. So the period I'm talking about is round five through to round 10. Um, unfortunately, it's still only translated to an average of 79.83 across the period, right? So even when he had the plum roll, it didn't necessarily translate to a really good fantasy game. I, my concern is, and I, I would have been interested as a mid-forward, and I, I still would have considered him a sleeper then, but as of mid-only, which he is, unfortunately, I, I feel like it's a really deep sleeper. Like, that's it's it's the kind of guy who may not have the ceiling that you need um, for a lottery ticket, even with the plum roll. Um, yeah, that's it. So I was high as a mid-forward, not really as a mid Sada, he was your boy. What are your thoughts there? Oh, it just makes him um, uh, so much more value because he's going to get picked up <laughs> so late. Um, and when I was looking at it as, as a sleeper, I was probably, um, when we were talking rounds 10 to 12, I thought he was going to be picked up if he had the forward line. You're right to saying that that's probably not sleeperish enough. Um, well, this decision that he's mid-only certainly make sure he's back in the draft. I mean, we're talking bench emergency sort of model, and there might be even a few leagues where he actually is sitting on the waiver wire. So that's that's the potential there. But I still think there's upside for Josh Dacos. Okay. Would you... So someone who missed positions who none of us had on our list was uh, Jordan Clark, who lost defender eligibility. Yeah. Does he sort of fit that same model? Because he's he's got all the opportunity in the world over at Fremantle on the wing. Going to go super late. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it's funny. Um, for, for those, I think he's worth a punt for those leagues that actually have change of position. So the talk around Fremantle this week was he's going to be playing off the halfback flank. Now, I was a bit surprised with that because I think they've got so many defenders and so many flankers there. But that's what they were talking about this week. So he actually plays off the halfback flank. He'll gain defender status depending on uh, the competition, round three or round six, if that's what happens. Um, and then all of a sudden he's valued. So I, I think finish off your field in a draft. And if Clark is available as one of your first bench gets, hop on to him because he's going to be great value as a defender uh, in a third of the season gone by, and all of a sudden he's got great opportunity and great form, because he can score. Yeah, absolutely. Warnie, who you got for us in the uh, players you've lost a bit of love for? Yeah, well, I guess I, as a Bomber supporter, I was all in on Jai Caldwell last year, and I think um, he had that forward status, so the mid-forward status, which was nice, and um, you know, the classic hat on, he had some value there, which obviously translates a fair bit to um, your draft game because the the value for a reason and that's based on a on a um, an average from the season before or they've got a discount or whatever it is but he was a guy well he turned up in round one for the bombers and that was like you know everyone's just going yeah here it is so here's your your mid forward your your little breakout or whatever got that opportunity the bombers got injured in round two though for a 49 and didn't play for the rest of the season so it was a pretty significant hammy that he did have there um and so his average next to his name is 76.5. So, um, which is an interesting one. Like as a forward, like you'd be thinking, 
you know, F3, you're probably able to get him, um, you know, jump the competition by grabbing him a little bit earlier and you could end up being, uh, well, he could quite easily be an F2, um, let alone a guy that could be a 90-plus guy in this mix of forwards and not knowing which forwards we were going to get at the time. But And then the other side of it too being um, going to, very luckily, getting that elimination final here in Launceston, about 800 metres from my house, going along and seeing Jai Caldwell in that first quarter. I think he scored 40 or so in the first quarter and it was massive. Only scored like a 60 um, for the game, but it was like going, yeah, that's enough for me to go yeah, this guy is locked into my side, but then he's a mid-only, which then makes it, um, you, you just can't touch, and you just can't take the risk either. Like you talk about, um, he, he could potentially be like Clark, as Stato said there, gains another position, Um but I guess the thing is, like, he could be used as a forward because the Bombers have the most stacked mids going around. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's, it's a massive punt to be taking of a guy in that 76 range where maybe the upside isn't that high at all. Like, it was a bit of a punt, um, to even think that he was value as such as a 76 as a forward, but he, he could be better. Um, I think as a mid only, like, he's, he's undraftable. That's as, as simple as it is now is how I feel like about him because of what does the squeeze look like at the Bombers in the midfield? That's something I'm just super confused about. I will say an, an Essendon supporter telling us that, that Essendon has the most stacked midfield, like Cam, <laughs> like Cam telling us that Geelong has the youngest list. Um, but um, I, I, there, is, there is an issue there because there's a lot of similar types now, uh, and that becomes... Um, the critical point of who actually gets the game time in the guts. So um, who's rotating through, but who's the mainstay? So it becomes very interesting because they have a lot of similar types and that becomes a real issue. Uh, think Caldwell, they recruit him for a reason. It's just about the body. Surely he's won because he's got a bit of a burst of pace uh, that they might like to run through there. I, I actually... So let me put it to you. We we talked about Jordan Clark and we talked about Dacos, and I reckon you can probably throw um, Jai Caldwell in the same mix as them. Rank them one, two, three. Stato. Rank them one, two, three. Uh, yeah. On potential scoring power, uh, I'd certainly have uh, Caldwell one, Dacos two, Clark three. Yep, I think that's fair. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting the players who uh, have a position change when they haven't played a heap of games, yeah. I, I find. And look, Champion Data cop a lot of shit for the positions, but obviously they've just got data. And whatever it is, that's what it goes on. It's, it, it is what it is. I don't really care. Someone who I thought, uh, and again, he's not on our list, picked up forward status was Jade Gresham. Now, he played two games before getting injured, and he was really involved in the center bounces. Uh, scored massively. It was I, I thought to the eye just a midfielder, but he's added forward status. What is this? What's going on, Warner? You, you determine the position. <laughs> no, I, I get surprised by anyone. And we, um, when I got them, like talked to the uh, the boss guy at Telstra, and we question a couple. I like, just think, oh, that's interesting. And um, when you support your own club and stuff as well, you see a couple where you just think, oh, 
is, is that really the role that he was playing? And um, like even like a Mitch Duncan, for example, he was flagged a couple of times during the season. So it's not a surprise to me seeing that his numbers were really close to gaining DPP in the round 12 or the round 18 one. But I'm like going, I've seen him take freaking kickouts in games and things like that. Like that sort of stuff is what does my head. And I think probably the, the comms from Champy Data could be a bit more about those um, positions uh, uh, based on where they're starting at each stoppage type thing. Like that's a, or not so much a stoppage, but each centre bounce, I think that's where it mostly comes from. So that um, is what they call it, not on a heat map, not on where they run to and those sorts of things. But I don't know, maybe it needs to be a mix of that. But at the end of the day, they're their positions that they produce and create. And, you know, like a Nat Fife was one that I was surprised by losing forward status. I thought he was... Mm -hmm. um, he would have still been available as a forward because he talked about playing more midfield time kind of thing. So if a guy like that is saying that, like you're thinking, oh, yeah, maybe he's playing a fair bit forward. Well, the only the only guy who blows it up to, that you just know you watch is like Dusty because he always seems to have forward status, mm-hmm. but he attends like all the centre bounces for Richmond. So he just goes there, runs forward, Whatever, I don't know. Whatever, it is what it is. Just yeah, you just play by their rules. That's is. how I feel about it anyway. Yeah. You just, you just <laughs> yeah. go with it. You can't. Stato. <laughs> yes, um, my man had a poor season in 2021, and that's Lockie Hunter. He only averaged 85.2 and would have burnt many coaches with his ADP of 39 last season. So he was in the first four rounds last year. Uh, he only averaged 76 in the finals as well, so that would have upset a few in the run home. Uh, no doubt a bit of a squeeze from their list. Uh, so many, unlike Essendon, uh, the, the depth of the midfield is quite huge there. So there is a reason for it. Um, I was quite willing to give him another chance, knowing I could get him later. Uh, in the rounds is a bit of a bargain and I'll still have a valid F1 or F2 on my hands. Sadly, his position this week has been confirmed as mid only. So now I've decided I'm going to let someone else take that risk because we know Lockie Hunter can score, but he's just not getting the time in that position or the share of the footy with so many midfielders. Yep. So where's he going to go in drafts? <laughs> Where? Yeah, um, no, like his average was down. I know he's got a bit of name value, but yeah, you know, he's not exactly. Oh, I think he's a he's an M six. So we're talking wow, we're talking rounds fifteen to seventeen. Okay, wow, it's he'll interesting. Probably, he'll obviously get drafted before then. Yeah, because someone will just go on the name value. So if Jono's in the draft, he's probably going around. <laughs> There's name there though as well, and but you look at like I don't know. I go into my draft day looking at the last probably three year averages sitting there, and what was it, 117 ish or something? Um, yeah, it was last massive. year or yeah. BCV yeah, or whatever but, it was, but it was yeah, ridiculous. It was, yeah, but, it was so like but even if you meet halfway, like that's the sort of stuff, or you know, you bump it up five or ten points um, from where he was this year, like it's still, yeah, it's not that deep as what you're saying, Stato. So I think people will. Probably take him. Like, you just don't want him. So he's one of those guys that you just let go through the keeper and someone will take him earlier, won't they? Yeah. I'd think so, yeah. Same boat as Danger. Not as bad. <laughs> yeah, similar. 
Yeah, I think Danger's got more natural ceiling than Lockie Hunter. So I'm just yeah. trying to call up Lockie Hunter. So he's, he's also still going to have a good role, whereas Hunter's role. Yeah, then that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he's had two good seasons, a, a, a realistic one of 105 in 2018, and you got the 95 in 2020, which was obviously the reduced game time. But prior to that, he's 90, 98, 85. Yeah. So the first player I'm going to talk about, Lockie Scholl. Uh, was a big fan of Lockie Scholl coming into this year. I thought he'd be a really good uh, late defensive option, but he's lost the defender status and is mid only. Uh, averaging the 67 Dream Team, 66 Supercoach. Blistering first few rounds last season. He was just an absolute ball magnet for the Crows. Had tons in three of his first five games before fading out like the Crows and like so many of the younger players and certainly the second player I'll talk about later on. Uh, it, it, I, I was still keen with um, his upside this year, uh, even with Miller back and Dawson in. I think he got the, the new fitness coach in, uh, the guru over at Adelaide. And, and another preseason for Scholl was sure to see him tackle 2022 uh, with better endurance across the season. I still think he's a great keeper pick um, long-term, and I'm certainly looking to pick him up if he gets thrown back in. But for redraft... I think you're looking at a situation where they've brought in people and obviously someone's returning from injury who do the same sort of things that he does in run hard, get the outside ball uh, and look to use their skills that way. Whereas um, some other players maybe don't have that internal competition. So I think it's maybe doesn't have the upside. Certainly like the player. He's a really, really good talent, and I love his uh, long-term future at the Crows, but I just worry about how rosterable he'll be. He's certainly going to go in your drafts, and look, he's probably not unrosterable. He's probably in the same mix as Jordan Clark and, and, and Dacos, so you can certainly pick him up if you like him, but as a defender, I would have had him probably in that close to a D3 mix. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I'm, I, I was hot on him, but it's more thinking of the the upside from coming really from a, a, a rookie model. But this year, you think of Dawson. I just I'm trying to work out how he impacts. I, I think he's got some game, um, but I, I just don't think there's any uh, confidence in having a a, um, a a good ceiling and a good floor because he even showed when he was in good form that he could just give you a 40. Yeah, and and th- those games where he got 40, Paul Seatsman got 110. You know, like, they, they clearly just went to the other side of the ground. Um, I, I think maybe with Adelaide, we're all reading the situation a little bit. We might be reading it quite differently to what actually happens. Like, there is a potential that... You know, Miller plays through the mid, that Dawson plays through the mid. They've already talked about that multiple times, you know, in December. Um, whether or not that eventuates or not is another thing. But, you know, Lockie Scholl may actually get that halfback flank role. Like, that could still be a thing. But from a mid perspective, mid only, probably probably a big no for me. Could be a waiver wire pick. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Waiver. Great. Cam, who are you up on? We're going to talk some players who we're, in, we're a bit higher on now that the positions have come out. Maybe maybe we've had a bit of a switcheroo in the old brainski. 
Yeah, this is an interesting one because we've already been maybe a little bit high on the guy that I'm going to talk about anyway. Like, I, I kind of thought he was coming in with mid only and I was still probably going to draft him, um, albeit late. But someone who's shown just a ceiling uh, and seems to be liked well at the club and, you know, played 24 games last year, um, Justin McInerney of the Sydney Swans. I, I think his potential to break out next year is pretty significant, especially with Jordan Dawson leaving and there being a hole to fill in uh, off half back. He has a great kicking game. He also has a great sort of uncontested game as well. He can actually do both uh, in round 20, I think it was, which ended up being one of his biggest scores. He um, played pretty thoroughly through the midfield, attended almost all the centre bounces for the game and had a, a really nice score of 101 AFL fantasy and 116 super coach. But in other games, like round 23, he basically played off the halfback and he scored 119 AFL fantasy and 95 super coach. So going pretty good guns there. And I, I think the opportunity is there and that has me pretty excited. And then throw in the fact that he's dual position now mid defender. And that gets me pretty up and about. I reckon he's, he's a, a lock next year for, for a very good, good year. I want to see roles. Where are you going to? I really do want to see roles. So we, we're talking Mills, Parker, Lloyd, um, Heaney, Rowbottom, Goulden, Florent, um, McInerney, Warner, Cunningham, who's a star. Um, that was for, that was for a laugh. <laughs> that was for a laugh. Uh, Will Haywood, uh, Blakey, uh, Wicks, um, Campbell, um, uh, Are we just going through the list? No, no. But and and Dylan Stevens. There's so many young people there that all deserve um, a step up in this model. And there's only one or two pos- positions become available. So I'm I'm really worried who to actually pick out of that because one or two of them are going to really jump. I just don't know who they are. Yeah, and look, there is maybe, I don't want to say it's a roll of the dice because I think there's maybe more certainty around someone like Justin McInerney than than others. However, um, I see your point, but given that he's dual position, it's pretty pretty tasty, right? And the rest of the, rest of the players that you talked about, Dylan Stevens, um, even you guys like Ollie Florent, James Robot, and Warner, they did not get favourable positions. They got They got midfield. Yeah, I'm with you, Cam. I'm. This is a layup. Yeah, it's a, a and you know what? A lot of risk there because I reckon he's gonna getting cop a fair bit of hype going into preseason. Right, we're already hyping him up in December. There's a very good chance that people reach. So it's a little bit scary there. D two confirmed. Whoa. Well, where we're do you just... get, where are you going to rank him? Where are you going to rank him, Cam? Oh, jeez. I, I was thinking just outside. Um, you know, bottom end of my top ten or top end of my top twenty. So between Wait, what? What yeah. seriously? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I'm I'm thinking from a defender positional perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth defender. What? Fuck off! He's no. Yeah, he's no, no George true. Hewitt. Mate. He's. A... Oof. <laughs> 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 Speaking of, he's still got uh, defender yeah. status, what, which was interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
Who, sorry? Oh, Hewitt. I thought he may have actually been a mid-only, but he's still got the defender status. Hey, who are you going to rank higher, Nick Newman or fucking McInerney? Definitely Newman. I, I haven't even looked at rankings yet, man. It's too, too early. I just got the positions. So I That's don't even know how insane. many people are in defenders. Honestly, top 10? Well, where are yep. you going to... Well, fuck. Where are you going to put him? Are you, where are you going to put him above Lukosius? Where are you going to put him? That Well, I'll determine that at a later date. Oh, I didn't, okay. I didn't, you okay. could have just said that. Uh, I, I, I think he's a D. I'm not going to see what we're looking at at the moment, but some shenanigans are going on on Warnie's camera, and it's just... It's we're seeing all sorts of views that I, I just wouldn't have expected. Yeah, mate, my uh, battery's running flat on my phone, and I just need to uh, try to get it on the charger. <laughs> on that note, someone who's on the up and up in your mind now the positions are out. Uh, well, for me, I think um, Trelaw was the easy one because I think out of those guys, he was like the um, probably the the lower ranked guy out of the the big dogs, so like the lower end of the first round. So I thought for him, just because of what he's done in the past, like he has had an incredible career basically as a um as a fantasy player. So his his numbers, let me run through these. So rookie year, eighty two, then he went to eighty nine, busted out to one oh three, one oh four 111, 108, 108, 113, and then his BCV adjusted was about 110, um, and then dropped down to an 87. So this is actually his second lowest um, price point. Sorry for classic words there, but his second lowest average that he's produced in his career. So, um, like, ridiculous when you're thinking about that. Now, obviously, it was his first year at the Bulldogs, and um, every single fantasy coach of the world knows that uh, Bevo and what they do to us um, is an issue. However, in saying that, like, you're going, it's upside. And the thing is, his season wasn't as bad. So he's got a 45 in there that um, brings his average down. Um, he did have a nice little patch where he ran through 106, 107, 104, 115, 100, 103. So, like, that's a, a decent stretch of games where he was able to put those sorts of scores out. But there were some pretty average ones, and, and that's why he's got the forward status as well. So um, I think that's um, – he's he's someone that could be a lot better, could, could be your F1, but realistically, on average, you're ranking him down – towards the bottom end of the top 10 forwards. And I think you could get yourself a little bit of a, a bargain there. I think at worst, he's going to get his his 87 to 90. I think that's how I feel about where he is because of a couple of those lower injury-affected scores really. Um, yeah, it was a 37 actually is injury-affected score there. So like that's a lot. That brings an average down. And as Calvin says on our podcast, you can take that one out and that average gets higher. Yeah, you can take that one out, but is Trelaw going to get injured again? That's that, man, he's becoming a serial offender. That's where I he's worry about a guy yeah. like him. he's older than you think he is as well. That's another side of it. I always get surprised because he still looks like the uh, the ten year old Bart Simpson character. But yeah. Oh, so you're not going to tell? I thought you were going to tell us his age. Yeah. Oh, would you <laughs> like to know his age? <laughs> Uh, actually, I don't have that in front of me. Um, so, hang on. He debuted in uh, 2012. So, he must be pushing... 30. Yeah. Is he 30? I reckon 30. He's at least late 20s. The, I reckon he's the exact player I'm so happy to see another coach draft before I want to take him. Yeah, and that's the thing. He might, he might get personally. drafted on name and on that previous stuff, but... 
I feel like in that top 10, though, like is there's still some risk of those other guys that are sitting up there. That's a that's a big part of it for me. So I think that I would, um, yeah, still want him. Stato, what, what are your thoughts on Trelaw? You don't like players when they hit 30. No, I'm very much an ageist. Um, no, it, look, injury risk, but I can see the value with the, the forward side. So I would have had no interest in him as a midfielder. I will have interest in him now being a forward. So I'm willing He's to He's going to have to be the right price, though, surely. Redraft league. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going early, but, yeah, I'd still I'd pick him up where... Yeah. He's a midfield only. He's, he's going to be an interesting one. I reckon he has a bit of variance uh, league to league. Stato, who you got? Uh, who are you keen on now you've seen the positions? Well, I was a little bit keen, but this was in keepers in dynasty leagues. I actually picked this player up uh, late last year, seeing the opportunity uh, in the midfield. And... Uh, no song for this player, just an opportunity. Come on, Stato. Oh. Bargain. Yep, it's Dow. Thompson, Dow. Heading into his third season, and the Tigers are in need to bleed some new blood in their midfield. So Cochin's 32 next season, Prestia 30 and injured, Martin 30, and Shane Edwards 34 are all nearing the end. So they need to give players opportunities. So last year, Dow had just the five games, mainly playing as a role player. But in round 21, they gave him equal opportunity mid and forward. So basically a 50-50 split from a role player and being freed up in the midfield. He was able to produce 22 possessions, 10 contested, two clearances and 73 AFL fantasy points. So from about 40% game time that he had in the midfield uh, and a bit of a role shut down uh, when he was a defensive forward, for the other 40% uh, out of his 80% game time, he pumped out a 73. So that's where I took interest and said, this one hasn't got a song, this one is a bit taller, and this one actually looks better. And he's in a club that needs that type of player, especially with the youth. And as you will see, there's only two or three really superb young midfielders and he looks like one of them. So with more opportunities, uh, his third pre-season under his belt and adding the forward status, I think he's ready for a breakout in 2022. I think he'll come very late, but I think he's going to be a fuelable uh, forward option. How much um, money is the pod pod making? that Doss can pay you <laughs> to say these words. <laughs> that's terrible, Steve. That is absolutely terrible. That's, um, that's uh, <laughs> a man has an eye for young talent. Uh, I viewed, I saw, I put away. I'm sharing it with our listeners here with the added bonus of forward status because... I just thought he was going to be a long burn in those type of formats as a midfielder. But Whammo, all of a sudden, he's redraft relevant Ooh. and even maybe classic relevant 
uh, Warney because in the five games, one was a one of those vested opportunities. So I think he's yeah, going. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that. 35. Is he playing? Is he going to be playing? That's the the thing I uh, you have to yeah. worry about. Yep, I think he will be. I think he will be. I, I think it's, it's a new a, Dow. It's a new dawn. Fuck, it's interesting. A new day. Uh, I'll roll on to. I'll roll on to my last player because sure. they sort of fit the same boat, and that's uh, Tom Power from North Melbourne. He's added forward status, which kind of shocked me. Average the 68, Dream Team 67 Supercoach. Played the 13 games with a couple of tons in there, mind you, before running out of gas and North Melbourne obviously managing him for the future, wanting to square away that number one pick. Management. Uh, the downside is that there's a pretty big midfield mix now at North Melbourne, so you can obviously see a bit of a crunch, who's going to get time, who's going to get the preferred roles. Uh, my thoughts around Tom Powell, he scored really well without being a CBA monster as it was. He was just kind of one of those in-the-mix players who got some attendances there. Good for pressure. We like good pressure players, and he's a good kick. So his the majority of his ball was one on the outside Uh They've actually had some outside players lost with Jumont moving on to Port Melbourne. So he's just one of those young guys that North Melbourne are going to invest in. We're going to need to take some dart throws in the forward line late. He fits the bill for someone who has pumped out good fantasy scores before. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine North Melbourne are going to be that bad again. So I certainly think there's a lot of opportunity. He certainly showed his chops Despite it looking from the outside like there's a midfield crunch, it might actually benefit him in the way he plays. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I actually think he's a great pick uh, in keeper leagues. Interesting to see where he fits um, in the one-off season model. So, uh, look, I'd be interested in Well, he probably fits drafting. the same bill as Dow, if we're being like. fair. And, you know, if players get injured at the teams yep. and all that sort of Absolutely. stuff, uh, the opportunity increases. See, I, I see him as much uh, much more realistic proposition than Dow because he, he's just had... He's got runs on the board. Dow has basically had one okay score and he's only played seven games across two seasons, right? Uh, Tom Powell has played... You know, more than seven games in one season. Like... Yeah, but he was playing at the weakest team. The other one uh, has been working. Yeah, but all, all I'm saying. Uh, was playing in premierships, mate. So completely, no, completely different model. And they'll be learning um, just as much whether you're out in the park in a low team or whether you're learning how to play properly with a superstar team, and that's what's happened. One's in its third year, the other one's in its second. And I would say there is actually more pressure for midfield spots. And North Melbourne a bit like the Bombers in their midfield squeeze. (laughs) So much. Well, there is, isn't there? Yeah, so much depth. That's what I go. Western Bulldogs, Bombers. How good have Richmond been for fantasy over their premiership run? Absolutely magnificent, and <laughs> uh, there's been at least one player. Yeah, yeah. At least one it's, player um, it's interesting because um, it looks like the Tigers are sliding, and we know teams don't finish last two years in a row. So obviously, North are on the way up. There's just teams in different directions, Stato. 
I think, <laughs> and, and look, just just something just something that we looked at. Uh, True. You know, I think it was last True. year or the year before. Steve got me to have a look at across the last ten years and do a bit of statistics on um, the types of things that help you identify, a, you know, someone who's going to have a good fantasy career. And one of the most prominent things that affected the model was actually early game time. So, like, getting games under your belt early in your career, even if it was in a different position, didn't matter. Um, but it, it had a, a strong effect on on output. And so Tom Powell actually locking up, you know, 14 games in the first year is really significant. It's actually a really big factor, potentially. Take that. Thanks, Cam. Never saw that data either. All right, we're on to the uh, Twitter questions. People thought we were talking burn, man. Ha, huh, we tricked you listeners. We had something way better. Fuck you. That's right. Um, Omicron looks like it's going to torpedo <laughs> the shit out of South Australia's situation uh, in terms of border crossing. I can't fill out paperwork. Cam, can you? Mate, no. Jen fills no. out all my paperwork. Exactly. Mrs. Fizz does all that shit at this house. Warney, come on. You, does the woman do do the paperwork at your house, or you do you do it? Joe does it all for me. She has to uh, keep yeah, exactly. me out of control. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You're a control freak. Ninja asks Dangerfield. I guess is the easy <laughs> answer. Remember, guys, these are burn men. Burn men. We tricked them. Pulled a switcheroo. Dangerfield is the easy answer. But your thoughts on Gorn in redraft leagues? Omitting a massive slide, would it be better to take a mid and punt rucks if you are an early R1 pick? Round one pick, I guess. It's going to be interesting that where Sean Darcy goes. So I think it's the... Now three, Romash. And there's yeah. maybe a fourth in March. That's huge. That, if he's that's, fully fit. Yeah. So, so maybe... Yeah, so maybe it's the four. So it really depends where you are in the draft. But if you miss out on those four, um, then I'd certainly be punning rucks big time. And I, and I think we're going to have a few breakouts um, this year, but they're not going to break up to a tier two ruck. One other player we didn't talk about who four. added a non-mid or ruck position was Ben McAvoy, added forward status. Now, I know he's not the sexiest pick going around, um, forward, and they have brought in. They have got brought in obviously Max Lynch from Collingwood, and they've got Reeves on the build. Is he someone anyone's interested in? Because he could just be a eighty. He's playing every game, isn't he? Still, like or most games. So yeah, you could be especially with that Ford status. You can be rolling with him as a as a later one. Well, an eighty average is is an F three at the end of last year in mm-hmm. in AFL fantasy. Exactly. Who's Hawthorne's number one? Are they just going to blood one of the kids? Because he'll play. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon he's going to be forward and then chop out whichever one they back in. So it's obviously the young fellow they got from Collingwood or Reeves. Dangerfield. Uh, Yeah, anyway, Gorn. Yeah, interesting. Interesting, the Rucks this year. Uh, Breno asks, any burn man you're prepared to get burnt again by? Anyone who took a punt on Hall last year struck gold. It's a good point. Warnie, who, who are you looking to pick up? Come on. 
guess talking these positions, it could be someone like Cornelio, actually, like as one of these guys that have added forward. I've been burnt before, but, you know, you find a little bit of hope again with someone like that just because of that forward status. It does make you a little bit excited sometimes, doesn't it? Like getting... Get it, seeing that next to his name and thinking that's there, so I can always go back to go back to players like I. You have your never again list, but yeah, it's just at a at a certain time in your draft or at a certain price in classic, you you can get back there and and you, your decision can change after these freaking one preseason games that they play as well. That's the other thing that really sucks. Like just one game these days that really gives you enough to get excited about, like a Paddy Dow, for example, and songs get made about him. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> Trelaw. Trelaw for me, like I, I've been burnt by him in his, not, well, last year I was burnt, the year before that he was good, the year before that I got burnt again. You know, it's just, it's happened twice in three years to me now, and yet I'd still probably go again as a mid-forward. That 20 still stings, doesn't it, in that game? Far out. Oh, yeah. Big time. Russ, get aboard the Constable Fiorini. Oh, there's a player we can always forgive, Fiorini. Get aboard the Constable Fiorini handcuff. I think he's just pushing this meme he's made. No, thanks. Russ. Got to go neat. Coxie asks, oh, says, Trelaw and Cogs, burn men. Well, they've got forward position now, so they can burn you at a higher cost. <laughs> <laughs> Ad says, Constable will be Miles 2.0. Ooh. Stato. Oh, Cam, really? Ooh, Cam, extra long cool. legend. I yeah, am, agree. yeah, being, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm being silent on every yep. Geelong. Jordan Clark. Danger. I'm just... It, it hurt, oh, mate. sorry. It hurt. Did I call you out too much this week? It's funny because it's true. Well, I know. That's why it hurt. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Uh, Matt asks, oh, says, Matt, oh, yeah, there is a player I get burnt constantly on, Matt Crouch. I think hard one to get burnt on this year. I think, if yeah. anything, he'll be good value if he plays because no one, no one is looking at him and saying, you know, that... Uh, here he is. Here he is. <laughs> worth a pump. Hello. He, he does all my fantasy research for me, actually. So <laughs> it, it shows. It, it shows. Does, yeah. um, I'm hopefully playing the Beaufort <laughs> Golf Course in two weeks uh, in Western Victoria, home of the Crouches. So I'll see if I can find out how good he's looking. Frio asks, Matt Crouch can go and get fucked. He's still having <laughs> issues with his groin. Oh, Luke, Luke Ryan and Shay Bolton. Very cool. Jay Bolton's interesting. He retained Ford. Mm. Yeah. Where's he going in drafts? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens with him because um, he's just so dynamic up forward. He's better in fantasy. Steve says Jack Martin. That uh, that hits me. That hits me. I love my Jack Martin. But... um. <sighs> Jack's back. Twenty-two. Here's Timmy asks, not a Burnman question, but where does Laird go as a mid only? Is that fair? Um, 
Yeah, You'd think second good. round? Warney, that's like first round in the Bacon Cup with your 27-team league. Yeah, well, that's the problem. I think that he's probably going there, and mainly because someone will probably pick him in our league that still thinks he's got defender status and doesn't look at it. So that's a, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the mates that I work with at times. So that's it. But I don't think you could go too wrong with him. Like, what's he at worst? Like a 105, so he's still, a, he's still an M1, really. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, thoughts on the AFL fantasy positions? Ha-ha, Tom, have I got good news for you? <laughs> podcast you just listened to was all about that shit. Uh, he says, Chris Poldy onto defender status is crazy. Uh, I did show him the stats, and uh, he was clearly defender eligible. Cherto says, Barry, come on. Jared Barry, he's not going to burn anyone. Where, where does he go in drafts? Like round 18? No, he's not. He's, exactly. he's not. Yeah, well, he's not going to get picked West up. Victorian Jared Berry. Uh, Robert, keep it relevant for the rusted on dynasty coaches. Pretty much the only sickos listening at time of this time of year. Yeah, it's it's fantasy season. The positions are out. Warney's here. He's out. You're putting articles and shit out. Warney, where can people find you? Your uh, uh, at, small little podcast you got going over there at Warney DT, and you can catch some of our uh, stuff that we've already got going on this year, which is crazy. But no, dynasty coaches are there because Stato was talking up Thompson Dow for a while. Like we've got that's a perfect example of a dynasty. Uh, but yeah, no, we've got a bit going on. So find us, yeah, socials and afl.com.au and dreamteamtalk.com and all that sort of places. Uh, Big season ahead. It's uh, 100 or less than 100 days away now. So it's, uh, you know, we've got to start knuckling down. Yeah, it's crazy. What's what's your in-season like? I can't imagine. Uh, it's busy, but I think I prefer it. It's more routine. That's probably the best thing about it. I reckon the off-seasons, there's less routine in it. So whereas during the season, we sort of go, right, we uh, can we take Mondays off work or call that fantasy work on Mondays together and then and then we do a couple of bits and pieces but then Thursday nights and that's kind of our our week like it's it's nice to have the routine of that but yeah it's uh we do way more hours than what we get paid for but we also get way we get um probably away from home more than what we would do otherwise and get to drink beer doing it and the girls think we're working so that's a positive thing it, there you had it there you had it uh Dossie's pod pod makes more <laughs> Than the traders. Payne Stoto, that hush, mate. Uh, we thank you very much for joining us, great man. Uh, obviously, the legend in the industry. And you'll be joining us later on in a couple of months for our 350th episode, the Tree Fitty. Hard to believe we went around that long. Uh, but we thank you very much for joining us. And of course, Stato, thank you for joining us. Cam, you're a person on this show. Thanks, legends. Thanks for listening to the Draft Doctors Podcast. For more tips and in-depth analysis, head over to thedraftdoctors.com.au.